Welcome back to another episode of the Ex-Experts Podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast. I'm thrilled to have Barry Selby here. He is a relationship attraction expert, speaker, and coach. He's known as the Love Doctor, which is how I found him on Clubhouse. And in addition to his fantastic accent, he actually really does know what he's talking about. Trust me, we've had lengthy conversations. Um, but in addition to everything else that he does, the most important relationship that any one person has is with himself. And that's really where we wanted to dig a little deeper with him today. So welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. I love the introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. So, at any time in anybody's life, you know, you want to kind of check in with yourself, but when you're going through a divorce, you're probably trying to figure out your identity. Well, I'm not his wife. I'm not, this family doesn't look the same anymore. So who am I? And, and how do you even help someone start to navigate that process of identifying themselves when they've been identified in a certain way for a period of time? Well, the, the biggest challenge going through that sort of that transition or that challenge, I use the word challenge as a wrong word, that, that very, very disruptive experience is that for many people, they lose who they are, basically, because they're so caught up in the againstness and the rules and the loss that's happening on so many levels, emotionally, mentally, physically, financially. So for many people going through divorce, they, it's almost like being a cork on an ocean. They're floating along without any, any sense of anchoring to control where they are. So it may be the most important time to come back to themselves because for one thing, ultimately that's the only thing you can really control is your relationship with yourself. But secondly, especially if you have kids, you want to demonstrate to them how to navigate challenges. You know, so many people are, I say this one, say another way, many children navigate their own lives based on what their parents teach them sure and, and divorce probably well actually i would say every every one of us who was a child right. learned from our parents i mean let me back it up i was going one day let me back it up thank you for that jessica <laughs> this is bruce lipton talks about this in his book the biology of belief that when we're we're born we come in with a clean slate we don't have a pre-approved or pre-assigned or pre-written knowledge about who we are or how we live or what the life right. world is about so we take in what's around us as like a sponge we're a, we're a clean slate and an absorbent mind that takes in everything around us as the way life is. And so parents demonstrate to us. So basically, if your kids are under five when you get divorced, this is important for you. And if you're a kid, if you're a kid when your parents divorced, this is important to you. Is that basically what you're doing is you're taking the world around us as the way life is, the rules of life. And if your parents, well, not if, the way your parents acted to each other or to, the, to, your, to you becomes the rules that you take on. So if your parents were parents that yelled at each other when you were a kid, you may associate that as the way love is expressed. If your parents got divorced when you were children, you, you, when you were a child, you may feel that love doesn't last. I mean, I'm just throwing out no, random things, but that's the understanding. It's resonating with me so deeply, though, for so many different reasons already. We're like in it two minutes. But the thing is, is like, okay, so first <laughs> of all, no, but for real, because I felt like I was 23 when I got married. Um, mm -hmm. the first time and we were together for almost 20 years and but because because we had been together for five years even before we got engaged 
And um, it, it was a little bit of like when we were getting divorced, like, yes, I had my own career and I had that going for me and people knew me professionally in that way. But it was like, it's been Jessica and Darren for almost 20 years. Like, who am I even now? And so I totally identify with that part of it. And I also really identify with what you're saying in terms of, we all know kids follow their parents as the examples, mm -hmm. but I will tell you, there was a lot, I mean, obviously there was a lot less information and support for divorce when TH and I went through it the first time. But like, I remember thinking consciously, the bigger deal I make out of it, the bigger deal it's going to be for my kids. And kind of just what you're saying, like the way that, the life around them, it just is what it is. Like everyone talks about the mom guilt and the parent guilt and like, oh, I can't do this. And oh, I got divorced. And I, you know, I tore my family apart. And I was kind of like, listen, this is how it is now. My kids were two and four. We're happy. We're moving along. Like things are as is. And now I feel like when people ask about what it was like for my kids, I'm like, that's all they knew. We made it very matter of fact. We, this was just their life. This is, they don't know any difference. And so I always joke, like, I'll never really know how screwed up they are until they're in therapy. And they're <laughs> but right now, yes. they're really well adjusted. And I really do feel like it's because I made a conscious effort to be like, it's not a big deal. This is just what our lives are. And you're okay. And you're surrounded by love anyway. And you have like the same opportunities as anyone else out there. Which is wonderful. And when it comes to the relationship component, because the other thing, is that a divorce models to the child that relationships may not work, for example. So one of the challenges that when parents go through separation, divorce, whatever that, that, that is, first of all, for a lot of children, and as I know from, from, from close client experiences, they, sometimes the child takes on the experience of believing they, can, they forced it to happen, they made it happen, they created the divorce. Mm -hmm. So they carry this sense of guilt themselves. Mm -hmm. The second part, though, is that they look at relationships being modeled over the fact that relationships only last a certain period of time, and it'll end up in divorce court or whatever that is. Now, you, I know your kids definitely would say we're, we're in the minority where they were raised in such a loving environment, independent of the divorce. Mm -hmm. That's what we try to do. Most, it's hard. Exactly. But it's most hard. kids aren't. Yeah. And it also depends on the age of the kids. Like Jessica's kids were really Absolutely. young. Right. My youngest was four, but my oldest mm -hmm. was eight. And so they all, all took it in very differently. And yeah. it's, you know, it depends on your relationship with your soon to be ex and like so many factors. I would just say, don't feel badly if you can't keep it together all the time, but do the best you can take a deep breath, um, you know, model the best behavior you can. And if you make a mistake, say, you know what, kids shouldn't have done that. Right. And, and uh, totally one thing I'll say. Should not have done that. Take responsibility, let them know, but you're human. I mean, there's only so much you can do. I remember my my brain was like mush. Yeah. And then they're going to come and be up all night. Really? Like, I, I got to go to sleep, you know? And then, <laughs> so just remember that you're human. So just do the best you can. Apologize for behavior that you wouldn't repeat. That's all I want to chime in. I don't, don't want to add on that is also remember to talk to your kids like they understand you. The biggest challenge is for the people who go through divorce is sometimes there's so much overwhelming emotion because of the, the, the breakup and the pain and the suffering that they forget about how to take care of the children or they do it from a very surface level. Be willing to know how your children feel and to really get clear with them because 99% of the time it isn't their fault that it isn't about them. 
right. love them through it, let them know that they, they, in a way, they may benefit because they'll have two families now instead of one, maybe. That may be too early to push that one in. <laughs> but understanding that, that the fact is that they're going to be loved no matter what. Right. So, so comes out of their relationship in a standard, I know it's never, it's never standard. And right. they're feeling that kind of like, who am I now? That lost feeling. So what are, would you say are kind of like your top three tips that people really need to focus on to make sure that they can transition through that roughest part. Right. So let's let's take this off the legal side, but it's the emotional side. That's yeah. what I specialize in because I'm not, a, not an attorney. Totally. Uh, <laughs> the truth is that in my work more and more the last, well, I've been doing this coaching for 15 years, but the last seven or eight years have been coming really clear that every time I work with a client, I'm helping them find a relationship, but it always starts with themselves. That's why I almost want to call myself a self-relationship coach. That's really what I'm doing. <laughs> so I would say at least, but let's start with, with the first one that I talked about first, which is to remember to take care of yourself. For many of us, we get so caught up in what we're doing and who we're trying to be that we forget who we are. Mm-hmm. And so taking care of ourselves is a top priority, whether it is getting more sleep because we're not remembering to sleep because of the kids or whatever that is, or it's choosing to just like, nurture ourselves when we're feeling drained. Do things that help you. And I don't necessarily mean that the, the, the court of hug and does in front of the TV every night. That's not necessarily because of no, no? <laughs> Once in a while, yes. You're like, like having, a, having a cheat day, so to speak. However, I do mean that you do things that are self-supported. So if, if you're feeling, well, let me listen to part two, which is to be gentle with yourself, to forgive yourself, because you may be carrying the, the weight of all the judgments you've placed yourself because it, you, you know, the relationship failed and maybe take responsibility for that overly take responsibility for that mm-hmm. well maybe you did have you obviously have some part to do with it but be gentle with that have 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 willis to learn how to forgive yourself to be able to let yourself off the hook and to well as I call, it, I call it the four horsemen of the apocalypse which is blame shame guilt and resentment because those four things we carry around in life period and in, especially right. in divorce they show up everywhere so being able to um reduce them and ideally remove those from your life is a key part of this journey and that means basically taking responsibility for your own actions, but also to forgive yourself when you made a mistake. Because like I, you were saying before, it's like, we do make mistakes. And yes, even in front of the kids, mistakes happen. Right. So be willing to be responsible, but also be gentle with yourself. Because again, you're demonstrating to them how to be. And if you realize when you make a mistake, it's okay to forgive yourself and to change the behavior, they learn that works. Right, right. So that's two. And, yes. And, top, and a third one. Um, the third one is, is be willing to shift your position around the other person. Meaning that in divorce, oftentimes, your ex-partner is the devil incarnate who was never like that before you got married, but you carry that weight on them that you'll never be able to make peace with them. So be willing to be open, even if you crack the door just slightly open, to see that it's possible you could restore a level of, of at least respect, maybe even friendship. Now, if they've done horrendous things, it may be hard to do, I understand. But having an ability, so you carry, what you do is you're taking the weight off your own heart. Because that you're judgment, that blame the person. Exactly. Right. You're doing this, it for it, yourself, not for them. Exactly. That's the point I'm trying to make. Right. I mean, carrying around all of that anger and resentment, I, I think you're right. Like a lot of times people don't realize how much, how insidious it is inside yourself. And not only insidious, toxic. Right. It is toxic. Right. It is toxic. And and so it really is kind of like you got to pick your battles. Like, right. is, is that person so bad that you're going to walk around feeling all of that heaviness and all of that anger and having it weigh you down all the time versus like 
just let it go. Well, exactly. I mean, the thing is, you know, the, the old quote of the, the, the Finner Forever, which is, you know, resentment is like taking poison if it's the other person to die. Right. Well, the thing is, how does that help you? That doesn't affect them. It doesn't control. It doesn't make you feel better than them. It makes you feel yeah. worse than them. So right. being resentful doesn't benefit anybody. Resentment is, because the thing about resentment is they haven't got a clue you're resenting them. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, your ex might, but other people in life, a lot of well, times. You have to voice it. You have to voice it. And it's also like a power thing. Do you want someone else controlling the way that you feel? Right. But, but it's really hard to balance the rational. Like, I get it all when I read a book. Right. But I'm still in the middle of it. Off when I go to sleep. <laughs> yes. You know, like, it, I feel like it, it's definitely a process, right? Like, it's not something that's going to happen right away you're not all of a sudden gonna you know feel like you know i feel so much better now i just i just <laughs> gave them yesterday you know well, it's, it's a one my process co- with yourself right absolutely in order to be able to do that because that's something maybe you never did before what well, like jessica said you know saying like you, you said uh in 20 years that's not usually forgivable in one session it takes a little time so i agree with you yes and that, that's the thing is is First of all, be willing to understand that it won't be an instant fix. And if you think it's an instant fix, you'll be very disappointed. But be willing to say, I'm willing to take steps incrementally, inch by inch, to have a healthier life with myself and to let go of my attachment and resentment to the other person that is holding me back from living my freedom. Because the other part is, is if you're still carrying that resentment, your next relationship is going to be very challenging. Right. So someone's going through the process. They are listening to these tips. They're working the program, so to speak. Do you feel like there's kind of a point at which someone can recognize within themselves? Like, you know what? I feel like I'm there. Like, I I wonder sometimes, there's so much talk out there in general about like being good to yourself and, you know, your relationship with yourself and taking care of yourself. Like we hear it all the time, but I wonder sometimes like, how do you know when you're like, you've done that work? Is there something that, that you can be like, all right, I've made it to the other side. Or well, you it- don't get, well, you don't get a sticker, so there's no sort of visible proof for it. Let's be clear. I don't that. get a trophy for participation. A snack, maybe. Don't get me signing participation trophies. Don't get. Me- <laughs> <laughs> no, what uh, I was going to say was, in the sense, going through divorce is a lot like the grief process because you are grieving, you're grieving the loss of a relationship, and the way that I've phrased grief before is, um, and and. I do two things on grief. One of which is that I just wrote about yesterday with a friend of mine going through the journey. It's like grief is like waves on the ocean without guardrails. It's a sense of being totally under, out of control with no framework, no structure, because of what it's like. So there is no like structure going, okay, steps one, two, three, four, you'll be fine. It's going to do what it does. And it ends and flows. Exactly. And, and the other step, the thing on grief, which we'll bring up for a second, is actually a quote. And I'll tell you the quote. After, I'll tell you where I got it from after I said the quote is, what what is grief except love persevering mm-hmm. grief you know, the, the, gr- gr- what is grief except love persevering and what it means by mean by that is that you cannot have grief unless you had love in the first place that's right which one of the biggest things people forget when they're going through divorce is they're going through the the the, the five stages of hate so to speak it's like reality is grief is that recognition that there's an attachment to the love that was there before. And there's, a, there's also the missing of that, mm-hmm. the absence of that, the feeling of like, oh, I wish it was like that anymore. Well, if it can't be, there's a certain level of grief because you have to adjust a new new paradigm. Mm. 
And with grief, I mean, I remember, I mean, this personal experience just when I, I lost my dog probably 50, no, more than that, 25 years ago. You know, I did, I, when I first, my first dog. But every so often, a memory pops in and a little melancholy shows up. And that's okay. It's not like it's a bad thing. It's like, no, mm -hmm. that because, because the love is still there. Right. And, by the, and by the way, that quote comes from uh, a Marvel show called WandaVision. Oh, <laughs> I heard that quote and I stopped the show and I was like, i got to write that one down. It's like, it came out of the blue. That's so perfect. really good. So yeah. Shutterfly is definitely on to you because when I get my memories from five, 10 years ago, sometimes <laughs> I get nervous. I'm like, who was I dating? Yeah. Do I want to see this picture? <laughs> Yep. And what was I doing? Like, I want to make sure I want to see the picture before I click on it and go further. Right. And I'm like, oh, phew. Okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> but well, it Facebook does. They know how things. to tap into your emotions. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. remember that picture from when we did whatever. Yeah, that's, you know, that makes you vulnerable for I minute. just think there's a lot of times that people feel like I don't have time to focus on myself right now because right. I'm dealing with all of the things. They may, so, have kids, they may not have kids, they may work, they may not work, but like, you're just, you have so much going on. And it's, I think it's really hard to kind of like. So that's the thing is yeah. put yourself on your calendar as silly as it sounds, because we put everything else on the calendar, you know, going grocery store or, or having meetings or taking care of calls or doing zoom conferences, but we don't put, let me take an hour now for self-care. Let me take an, they can take five minutes to just do some forgiveness in the mirror. Let me, let, you know, whatever those things are. Mm -hmm. So put yourself in your own calendar. Be willing to block time out. And if it's even five minutes a day, that's enough to start with. Ideally, it goes up much, much more than that. But take the time to intentionally turn up all your devices and be with yourself for a period of time where you can look in the mirror or you can hug yourself or you can do something that is self-supportive. You know, maybe it's a bubble bath. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe, you know, whatever it is that you can use as a methodology to get back to being yourself. Mm -hmm. So, That's the first step. Yeah. And, and honestly, for me, the hardest relationship I've been in is with myself. So I would do everything and anything for anyone before I have to deal with my own shit. I mean, not the only one. We all do that. No, I know. Like really like <laughs> facing your, you know, challenges, your weaknesses, your trigger points is the magic words now. Like whatever it is honestly like until you face those things mm -hmm. for me anyway until I face them I wasn't going to be who I am today and in the relationships that I'm in today and feeling mm -hmm. you know like I'm I feel clean right like I feel clean no one has power over me I'm free will I'm making good choices I'm leading with my heart but using my mind see you know, has done the work I have, yes. and the work still yeah. goes on. Like even my therapist, she's like, I think you're done with me. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> I go, how about every three weeks? And then what happens is stuff ends up happening. And I'm like, holy crap, I don't have an appointment. Can you, can you get on the phone? Can you get on the phone? Are you free, are you free, are you free? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's better to have every three weeks. And if we have nothing to talk about, then we just right. shoot the shit. But it helps kind of like, keep me in progressing in the right direction instead of it all coming up and being in complete panic mode, which did happen the other day. 
and she did mm -hmm. call me. But that's not, <laughs> those are not normal expectations, you know, someone to do that other than someone like Jessica is going to like drop everything. But well, the thing I was going to say was, first of all, it's good to have maintenance support. So even once you do get past the initial traumatic experience and you get to the healing, having maintenance with your coach, your therapist, whatever that is, is a good thing to have anyway, especially when you have that resource to go to anytime you need it. The second part is, and you mentioned this earlier about you were so externally referenced. I have a passion about eliminating codependency from the planet, which is going to be a, it's a big project, I know, but it's going to take a lot of time. But the more I can roll people, the better, because when we get into codependent states, we lose control of ourselves. And what Jessica is saying about how to take care of yourself it is the understanding is that, and this is something I learned in a seminar, geez, back in the 80s, I took. And the first ground rule they taught us was to take care of yourself first, do you take care of others? I didn't know up to that point I've been doing it backwards. Most people do. They take care of other people, especially when you have kids, take care of others before you take care of yourself. Absolutely. And the thing is, it's, it's actually, it's a finite resource. We are a finite resource when we don't take care of ourselves first. And I learned the lesson many, many, many times over the last 30, 35 years that taking care of yourself doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I'm just going to be fine now if you take care of other people. It's like all the nuances of that have been teaching me forever. And recognizing that when we're in relationship with other people, that they don't have control over our emotions is one of the biggest lessons people learn. Because up until the moment I just said that, some people are going, no, but when they get upset, I, I can't have to fix that. Or when, or when they're doing this thing, I get upset, whatever those triggers are. We end up being, well, as I call it, puppet strings, is that we lose control of our own internal um, equanimity and sense of self-support when we let other people control our emotions. Right. Like when, 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 I, when, when, when we say like, you know, you upset me. Well, no, they didn't. They did something, you got upset. That's right. First, we'll take, first we take ownership. Secondly, you learn how to disengage it. So when they do something, you look at that and go, hmm, that's not what I want to do. That, so it's not, that, it's not a reaction. Yeah, sorry, you're saying. No, I say that's a really good conversation to have in and of itself. Like how to be able to not monitor, but sort of control your reactions to things so that you're kind of not letting outside circumstances get the better of you. Um, I think that's kind of where you're going with it. And I think that that's a really important conversation to have. So we should have that the next time. <laughs> we'll bookmark that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, anyone listening who has um, questions or wants to reach out to Barry directly, we have all of his information on our site on xexperts.com. Um, there's a whole experts section where you can go in and read more about him and everything that he does and all of his contact information. Um, Barry, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh. We really appreciate you sharing all this with our community. My pleasure and hopefully more to come because there's definitely stuff to talk about. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all that would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media at X-Experts, that's E-X, E-X-P-E-R-T-S, on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening.